This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. Marcus Jones is a black police chief in Montgomery County, Maryland. But this story transcends race. We had an incident in Silver Spring where we had an individual who was actually assaulted. And we have video that we actually see 11 people um, that are observing the assault in progress. And they do not call the police. There were plenty of videos posted on social media. These were young people. But Jones says they're not alone. Adults need to really think about this as well because we're seeing it amongst the adult population doing the same thing. Why do people do it? You know, I think it's the sensationalism of it all. I mean, it's almost as if to get some notoriety. He's now campaigning to change that mindset. Coming up in this episode of Colors. The Florida legislature has been in the news lately because of a number of controversial laws and bills. And a black state senator, Chevron Jones, has taken up the fight that he says will benefit all Floridians of every race. Some of the things that uh, that are important to me that are that are moving through the Florida legislature that are not good for Floridians are things like the Don't Say Gay Bill or the actual title of it being the Parental Rights Bill uh, or legislation uh, dealing with the 15-week abortion ban with Florida trying to uh, follow after Mississippi and Texas and some of these other states uh, or the banning of uh, the the teaching of uh, Black history. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting. Injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. I identify as African-American and American Indian, and I am from Kalamazoo, Michigan. My name is Juan Pablo Sanchez. I was born in Medellin, Colombia, and therefore I identify as Hispanic and or Latino. My name is Mindy Peterson. I'm a white woman from the Midwest. I live in a Minneapolis suburb. My name is JJ Green. I'm black, and this is Colors. I say this very often on this show. We're not a political show, but when it comes up, we deal with it. So this happened this week. Florida's Republican-dominated legislature passed a bill that would censure discussions of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. The state's governor plans to sign the legislation, dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, by student protesters and other advocates. One of those protesters and advocates is Democratic Senator Sherman Jones. He was among those that tried to stop the measure, saying it will lead to more abuse and isolation for already marginalized kids. To those who think you can legislate gay people away, I'm sorry. 
You cannot. I think you should spend your time legislating to protect them. Senator Jones, who's African-American, joins us to talk about that and some other issues he has a problem with. Senator, we know that there have been a lot of interesting developments in in Florida, uh, in the political realm, in the social realm, in the cultural realm, and you have put yourself squarely in the middle of it, and clearly for a good reason. There have been a number of things that I've noticed in the news recently where you have actually, you know, basically said, oh, wait, hold on a second. We can't do this this way. This has to be done a different way, a fair and more equitable way. Would you assess, just first of all, give us a couple of the things that are most important to you. We've seen the don't say say gay issue. We've seen some other issues as well. But give us a a sense of what some of those issues are that are important to you and, and why you're taking them on. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you for even having this conversation to kind of highlight um, some of the inconsistencies that's happening currently right now in Florida. Uh, some of the things that uh, that are important to me that are that are moving through the Florida legislature that are not good for Floridians are things like the don't say gay bill or the actual title of it being the parental rights bill uh, or legislation uh, dealing with the 15 week abortion ban with Florida trying to uh, follow after Mississippi and Texas and some of these other states uh, or the banning of uh, the the teaching of uh, black history that's happening also within the legislature. And all of these issues, two of them are cultural wars that have that, that the Republicans are dealing with. And one of them, uh, the 15 week abortion ban is something that, that the, the state of Florida has been inching away at for so many years. And here we go in years since I've been here, year number 11, uh, and doing the same thing. Things that yeah, is not better in the life of anyone. All it is is creating greater division uh, that, that uh, than we already have within this country and within the state. So would you for for our, our, our view, listeners that, and viewers that may not be familiar with the, the, the don't say gay legislation, what's that all about? So right right now, there, the actual name of the bill is called parental rights. Last year, we voted on a parental rights bill uh, that basically t- reinforced what parents can uh, do to support their children. Uh, this year, uh, they uh, expanded the parental rights bill into telling school districts, uh, uh, they were encouraging school uh, encouraging school districts that they cannot. Uh, encourage classrooms or schools uh, to talk about sexual uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, it discourages a parent, I mean, a, a, a teacher from being able to engage in conversation uh, with a student, uh, it, but it advises the teacher that they or uh, they need to go and talk to their parent about it. Uh, it also creates a cause of action that if a child comes back to their parent and say that they feel they were offended in, in school or they were felt uncomfortable based off of a conversation about sexual orientation or gender identity, it gives the parent the opportunity to sue the school district. Uh, and so it, there, there are like five provisions in there that are uh, unnecessary, uh, but those are the two main ones that, uh, that, that stands out that are just not needed. And I'll end with this, that we don't need a, a parental rights bill, especially when the parents are already uh, protected under the U.S. and the Florida Constitution. It's very interesting what you say. We don't need that. And a lot of people know that. And there are some very smart people in Florida. There are some pretty smart people who are 
you know, across the aisle from you. And, you know, we don't really do politics on this program. We talk about race, culture, et cetera. But when they come up, political issues come up, we deal with them. But right. there's some really intelligent people there and they have to know what it is that they're doing or at least how it's going to the optics of it. They have to understand. So what do you believe drives this kind of activity? The, you know, the the, the 15 week abortion bill, the black history uh, issue, um, the the parental rights bill, all of the things that are coming out of Florida. People are, have been looking at Florida for a while and saying, wow, wh- what's happening there? So how do you how do you assess this power? <laughs> Just raw power, huh? There's there's nothing other than power that empowers people to 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 do things like this. When you're in power and your your the power that you have, you feel that uh, it um, uh, it uh, encourages a response from a base, and you see that that base is responding the way that you want. You continue digging at it, uh, and that's what you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, there, if you look in, as you, I'm sure you know for a fact that if you look through history, culture wars will bring out a base of people, and based off of what you what you want the response to be. We learned. That's a, what we're we learned a lot about that the last five years. And, Absolutely. You know, coming from the south myself, not as far south as you, but growing up in Southern Virginia. You know, I recognize and understand how that operates, you know, because there were a lot of people in the area that I grew up in that are still there that still have these these ideas, you know, that people of color are not as 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 good as people who are not of color. They 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 feel as though um, women don't have, you know rights as the, the same rights as men and and certainly they, they feel that people you know depending on your 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 gender identity shouldn't be allowed to do and believe and and, and have certain things so right. the thing that really concerns me though is the fight that you're in how how do you win this fight though what's necessary to win this thing well we, we obviously not going to win the fight by numbers that's in the legislature Right. Um, because we don't have the numbers to, to to win it here. So you have to win. We have to win those numbers on the ground. And but we have to be patient with it. Also, I think people have to uh, for, uh, for people within my party um, who want to get these wins have to be willing to uh, eat the elephant a piece at one piece at a time. <laughs> uh, and so that is building a groundswell and a ground game to be able to do that. That's that's engaging people, um, not speaking from this high level where people don't understand what you're talking about or what's going on. You lose people like that. Uh, people respect individuals who bring those kitchen table issues to let them know this is how you are affected by it. Don't mm-hmm. give them a bill number. And I, I, mean, I mean, don't dummy it down for them, but don't speak so high level where they can't understand. Uh, and so we the, building a ground game is the only way you're going to be able to uh, to beat them at their own game. So, you know, speaking of which, the ground game is out there and, it, you know, for a lot of younger folks, you know, it really got started in 2020 in right. May with George right. Floyd's death and the death mm-hmm. of some other young people that year. And, you know, a number of people that I know have been asking what, why, what, what was it about George Floyd that, that triggered all this? But one thing that I've noticed, which is a separate issue question here, is the, the ally fatigue 
that I've noticed and people looking, people who were on board with this, you know, in 2020, certainly in, you know, the fall and winter of 2020, even early 2021, they're getting tired of it. They're trying to distance themselves from it and they don't really want to deal with these issues like the ones you're bringing up, like the ones that we've been looking at all along, uh, you know, regarding, you know, police activity and, and police behavior. And I'm wondering, what's your plan for combating that? Well, one, let, let's be clear for the for those for the as far as the ally fatigue is concerned, you know, you can't get into the fight when it's convenient and popular. Yeah, I think it's I think it's dangerous to to do such a thing. Uh, but if you're in the fight, you're in the fight because you want to see people freed. And I think that's important important way for us to look at this to where when you see a group of people in bondage that you have chosen that these are the people who I'm going to join this fight on fight with, because I realize that uh, there is a majority that is trying to be louder than the minority. Uh, and you're joining to build that, uh, build that force. You just can't jump out and say, you don't want to do it anymore. Uh, so I, I, I one, let me, let me start there. The second portion of your question, what was the second part? Well, um, so we're looking at the first part that I was asking about is actually people, you know, were asking the question, what was it about George Floyd's death that oh, triggered yeah. so many people to get involved? Yeah. Well, I mean, what we saw, I think what we saw with George Floyd, I believe that was the, the boiling, the tipping point for a lot that has been happening over the years. George Floyd, George Floyd being the tipping point started way before, before then. I mean, we, although we weren't born, Emmett Till was a start. Yeah. Rodney King was a start. Yeah. Trayvon Martin was a start. I mean, so you mean, you, let's, let's keep Jordan Davis. Let's keep calling the name of these people. And so when you see George Floyd to where now it's blatant and people are sick of seeing our people being treated this way, but now in with the, uh, with the agony of somebody on camera, have trying to fend for their life and asking to live. And when people saw that on full display, and it, I'm sure it reminded people of what we fought for, what, what our parents fought for years ago. And I'm sure uh, more, most young people, because I know I was, was like, I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to live in a society allowing this to happen while I'm silent. Yeah, because and, we're we gonna make a better world for our for our for our children. Yeah, and the th you know one of the things is, that's really kind of got me thinking today is, you know, we have so much, so many distractions now. Mm -hmm. You know, so many things that come up at a moment's notice, and we have these media devices, phones and tablets, et cetera, that constantly bombard us with messages that distract us from what's, you know, from from keeping our eye on the ball. So how do we get people to stay focused on the ball? I mean, I know putting down those devices is a key thing, but there is another piece to this, too, that I think has to do with personal commitment. And that's one of the things that I'm just wondering about. How do we get people to 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 buy in, to own it? And to understand that if they don't, you know, it may not affect them today, but tomorrow they may lose their seat at the table or they may lose something that's important to them. So how do folks like us, just normal folks like me, help to generate that kind of interest and commitment? 
one, I think you're doing it now uh, with your podcast and with the work that you're doing and getting the message out about the realities of what's of what's happening. Uh, I think the second thing that we have to we have to engage in is having these real conversations with with our community. And I don't mean community at large. I'm talking about the community of people who you connect yourself with about what we what what we have at at stake right now, uh, because I believe that as you look across the country and across uh, well as it pertains to the state of Florida, uh, this stuff is not going away. So you can either a sit idle and allow all of this to continue to happen while you do nothing, or b you get into the game and you create the community and the world that you desire to live in and you desire to leave with your, with your children. Uh, and I believe the one message that I would give uh, to young, uh, to anyone who's watching is what type of world do you want to live in? And what type of world do you want your children to live in? And what type of world should we be building uh, right now? Because this can't be it. No, this cannot be it. Senator, what else are you working on right now that we should know about that is important to this to this cause of yours. So, so I think one of the one of the biggest things that we that we're working on right now uh, as we speak is Operation Blackout, uh, which is uh, is going to be a total game changer of the work uh, that needs to be done on the ground that you, we spoke about in the beginning, uh, and that is a uh, a unapologetically uh, 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 web portal that's getting people. In black, black and brown people in rural communities um, uh, registered to vote by mail. Senate Bill 90 passed last year. And when that bill passed last year, it restricted uh, a lot of access that individuals, uh, especially in marginalized communities, uh, have to go out and go out to vote. And so we wanted to figure out what, what was the best way that we could engage people, empower people uh, into this process that we know as voting and not having them go to voting booths. So we developed Operation Blackout. Uh, here, here's what I would tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2018, uh, in 2018, um, roughly about 240,000, I believe about 240,000 uh, Democrats who had never voted um, since Obama's election uh, when he ran for president were enrolled into uh, enrolled into vote by mail here in the state of Florida. Uh, and I think uh, of those 240,000, about 118 of them voted for the first time in six years. And it was because of vote by mail. If we can take that and we can begin to look at those low propensity voters, go into these rural communities, engage these individuals and even allowing uh, creating regional managers within I call them Starbucks communities also to register people for vote by mail, encouraging them to send their vote by mail ballots in not two weeks before election, one week after receiving. You can change the trajectory of races engaging people, empowering people, and giving them an easier way for them to be a part of the democratic process. What kind of support do you have out there for this right now? And and how are the folks that are engaging in those two culture wars that you talked about and that other issue, how are they lining up on something like this? Well, they think, I mean, they haven't responded yet because they don't know the impact uh, and what, and, and what, 
what it can do. So they haven't really responded to it. Uh, but I'm sure they know about it because many people have been uh, looking at Operation Blackout, the foot traffic to the website. For those who want to go check it out, it's uh, black, blackout.vote. That's blackout.vote. Uh, and so they, they've, been, they've been seeing it. Uh, but the response has been amazing. I will say this, that because of a a because of a donor, we're good for the first three quarters. That's good because they believe in what we're doing that much. They believe that we can get that 40,000, that 40,000 voter number of registered to vote by mail, which is an easy number to sell uh, to people. And all we need now, we just have to continue to get the message out that Florida needs this. We don't need the Democratic Party. We don't need anybody to give up on Florida right now, donors and all. We need all hands on deck to put resources behind programs like uh, Operation Blackout, like programs like People Power, like programs like Equal Ground and others that do, that's doing this work to be able to go into communities to message. And JJ, I tell you this, we have to be extremely careful and because we we're we're being very careful as civic action, uh, civic groups action when we do this, and that is with messaging. I live in Miami. Mm-hmm. There is no way that I can tell what the message should be for for someone who lives in Tallahassee or in Jacksonville or is in or or in Orlando. The messaging is different. You can't parachute messages in. Yeah. You have to allow leaders within those communities to bring those people along, and that's what we're doing. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I was just about to ask you what your thoughts were about something that happened down in Manatee County. I think it was about a year or so ago where right. they the the board of supervisors or the board there um, issued a proclamation declaring racism a health epidemic. And um, just wondering, um, I'm sure you heard about it. Um, we actually had one of their the board chair on this program at the time who talked about it and why it was important. And, you know, you know, the history of Manatee County, and I'm not getting you to try to trying to get you to wade into that because you've just said, you know, you deal with your own business and, you know, let them do their own thing. But I'm just wondering, is that something that you see uh, as, you know, you're talking about the racism that, that, that you face there and we face everywhere, really. Um, do you see it as a, as a, as a health epidemic as well? Racism? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. A, it is a healthcare epidemic. Yeah, because I, I believe that the, I believe the people, uh, the the people who uh, who, um, um, who 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 take part in it, their policies hurt people. Yes. Whether it's through education, whether it's through healthcare, yes, it is. Um, and, and because if you look at communities right now, communities are hurting because of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. Yeah, that was just a question I had thought about since you were talking about that. But now just a couple more questions before we close this out. Um, You know, we are about to enter another election season. And again, this is not a political thing, but this is just a an American thing, mindset thing. You know, we have a a president that's a Democrat and we have a former president who is not who lives in Florida, who is talking about another run at office and looking at essentially trying to maintain that base that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are really curious about how this base, Florida always plays a huge role in 
presidential elections, but this is a midterm election. Do you think that there will be a big impact? Will Florida have a big impact in this midterm situation? Always. Florida, Florida always will always have a big role to play in this. Why do you think that? Well, because wherever Florida is the temperature point for what the election next election cycle will look like. If, if there's going to be a blood, if, if there'll be a bloodbath for either party, the other party is, is preparing for how to totally slaughter the other party um, come the um, uh, uh, the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And so right now, that's that's what we're seeing. And it's it's it, there's a lot of writing on the wall, um, but it's a lot of confused confusion on what success will look like, uh, whether it's for the Democrats or for the Republicans, because you got. Um, you got uh, uh, Warnock in Georgia, who needs to be maintained. You got Val Demings here, who we need to um, we need to gain. Uh, and so we have seats all across this country. You got Ron Johnson and um, Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin, uh, who uh, it, with with the right help, Mandela can uh, could put up a good fight against Ron Johnson. It's just really all hands uh, all hands being put on deck. But we have to be we have to look at. Uh, what's about to happen here? Look at what, what just happened with redistricting. I yeah. mean, if the Senate has a, has the potential to do a plus three sweep, but if resources are not going to come into Florida to be able to do this plus uh, plus three sweep in the Senate, then yeah, we'll we'll come back at a net uh, at a net zero. We'll just come in with the numbers we leave with, which I which I don't think we should. I think that whoever wins the primary um, and who goes in the general together. They should be campaigning together. They should be raising money together. They should be doing call time together. Uh, because I can tell you, DeSantis and whoever uh, DeSantis will be doing that with Rubio, Scott, and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, politics is uh, above my pay grade, but this is something that I know you can always school us on. A couple really quick things here. Senator, America as a whole, um, you know, like we mentioned, I mentioned a little while ago, there have been a lot of things that have been happening. And, you know, sometimes we get distracted by things. But what are the most important cultural things that we need to stay focused on, get involved with and push right now? Not just for this year, for the next two years, three years, but for the next four, five, ten years down the road. What are the things that are out there now that we can make an impact on that we as a nation regardless of race, should all get involved on and in and work on? Uh, the, the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, period. That is something that right now we as, uh, as Americans need to be working extremely close to pass, getting with state legislatures, getting with state congressional members, uh, U.S., U.S. members within each state and conveying that message. Mm-hmm. If we don't protect democracy, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. What else have I asked you about that you think is important as we sit here and chat today? Well, you know, I think the one thing that, that I think is important that uh, as we're having this conversation about uh, where we are going as a country, it's I, I, I believe that it's really just time for people to to get involved in this moment, especially people who are who a lot of these legislations are being filed on the backs of people who like you and I. Yeah. Um, you got uh, groups coming up that are, that are being developed 
that are trying to take our history away from us and trying to uh, make us feel less than who we are as a as a race of people. I mean, we're not going forward. We're going we're going backwards. I mean, look at what we're dealing with with, with CRT. They're taking a social construct of a of a of a definition of, of what of a book that defines race as a, a social construct, and they're making it their political whim. Yeah. And what black folk? We just we supposed to sit back there and just take it. In some people's minds, yes, but in these two, no. So, one final question I need to ask you: You're in Miami, and there was a guy who was a coach for the Miami Dolphins. His name was Brian Flores, and he rocks the world a few weeks back. What are your thoughts on that situation? What's going on in Miami? I think all the conversations that's happening when it comes to the NFL and um, and their diversity, if, as far as their head coaches are concerned, it is a conversation that's long overdue. Uh, I think it started way before. It should have started way before Brian, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. Um, I also think that um, uh, Coach Flores has an argument that's worth being taken up um, because everyone needs to be placed on notice that this is 2022 and, ni- and not 1922. Gotcha. So I think he, he, I think they're doing the right thing. I think the NFL, if I was was them, I would use this as a teachable moment um, to learn and turn from their ways. Well, Senator Jones, it's a pleasure to talk to you. There are many things that we could talk to you about, and you could clearly school us on all of them. We don't have enough time for that today, but hopefully we can uh, re-engage again in the not-too-distant future. But thank you so much for your time, and we're here when you need us. I'm looking forward to JJ. Thank you. Stay tuned for some thoughts about race in America and details about our next guest. You're listening to Colors. My name is Katie Musselman. I am a Korean adoptee who was raised and currently live in Harleysville, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. I grew up in a white family in a very white community. I have two sisters, but I was the only one who was adopted. While I didn't have many issues with this growing up, recently I allowed myself to recognize that both of my sisters married racist men. This is sad and disorienting, and has led me to really question what my sisters thought of me and the true nature of our relationships. It bewilders me as to how two women raised with a sister of a different ethnicity could marry spouses who harbor hate for other races, and it dredges up all sorts of doubts for me about family relationships. Additionally, my husband and I have three children, two biological and one adopted son who is black, This just heightens the feelings and tension. Of course, we do not want to expose them to racism, especially from their family. This family dynamic has pushed my husband and I to discuss our priorities and values in a way that hits closer to home than I ever could have imagined. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments about Colors, send us an email. You can reach us at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Ooh. 
My name is Shonda Buchanan. I identify as African American and American Indian, and I am from Kalamazoo, Michigan. My name is Juan Pablo Sanchez. I was born in Medellin, Colombia, and therefore I identify as Hispanic and or Latino. My name is Mindy Peterson. I'm a white woman from the Midwest. I live in a Minneapolis suburb. My name is JJ Green. I'm black, and this is Colors. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. In 2018, the Justice Department unveiled the China Initiative. An all of department effort to look at espionage and trade secret theft by China. But John Yang, president of Asian Americans Advancing Justice, says something different happened. What we saw was a lot of prosecutions, not for espionage or trade secrets, but simple, simple failure to disclose issues. And unfortunately, we had a lot of Chinese American and Asian American professors generally caught up in the system where what would have been routine matters became criminalized. We told you about this several weeks back. Now it turns out the Justice Department has decided to end the China Initiative. We'll hear exactly why. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. Time to go. And as we do, I want to say thank you to some people that have helped us with the program. Thanks, Hillary Howard, Mike Jakaitis. Thanks, Joel Oxley, Julia Ziegler. Thanks to Arby Nickerson, Marina Brainan Moore. Thanks to Charlie Norton and Miles Davis. Also, we want to say thank you to all of those folks out there that are helping in Ukraine and in every other disaster area around the world. And we want to thank for music off Shane, Jesse Gallagher, and Cosmic. And most of all, thank you for listening. And just remember, Keep talking to each other. And just as important, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast DC, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.